We welcome you today. We're in the second part of this series called Inked. Inked. And uh, no, we're not out starting a tattoo business. You know, the church, is, the church goes crazy on all these tantrums. You know, we're great at trying to tell everybody how they're going to hell, rather helping people get to heaven. And no, it's not a sin to have a tattoo. We're not trying to promote tattoos. Um, but, uh, you know, the church for years got it. No, if you have a tattoo, you can't. You're a sinner. And Leviticus says, well, put it in context of the scripture. And the scripture is talking about where they mark their bodies with the images of false gods. And he was saying not to do that. And if you use Leviticus to tell people they're in sin for having a tattoo, then that same chapter also says that if you eat meat with blood in it, you're just as guilty. If you cut your hair on the sides, you're just as guilty. And by the way, if you're wearing two different types of material at the same time, you're going to hell. So don't take one little part out of there and go, you're going to hell if you have a tattoo, all right? All my tattoo folks go, thank you, Jesus, I'm going to heaven with a tattoo, all right? Talking about tattoos, uh, Kathy and I were up in Colorado for a week. A, a ministry in Denver blessed us in Pagosa Springs with seven nights stay at a beautiful resort to get away and rest, and it was amazing. And my children have been after me for years to get a tattoo, and my wife dared me. And, uh, and so they have this thing called tap outs. Anybody get tattoos know what that means? That they will go until you tap out. Like, it's hurting too bad to quit. I just want you to know. Yeah, we did it. It's really fake. It'll peel off. But anyway, <laughs> well, I got you. I got you. <laughs> Some of our seniors on the front row is going, no, he didn't. No. He didn't. Three of my trustees just quit. All right. <laughs> well, that was fun. I had a lady on the front row in the first service almost come out of her seat. She was like, my pastor. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. I don't like pain that much. All right. Okay. But let's get into this real quick. I want to talk to you today. Pastor Brad started the series off last week talking about that, that being ink, being marked by the Holy Spirit is a permanent thing. Today, I want to talk to you about passion, that it is a passionate thing when we're marked by the Holy Spirit. You know, so much is going on in our society today, uh, all across our nation today. We've got uh, Florida being hit by the largest, uh, most intense storm to come out of the Atlantic in history. We see Houston underwater in floods. We, we see Texas all underwater. We look in the West and we've got five states. Montana has over a million acres burned in uncontrolled wildfires today and FEMA has declined any aid. People are losing their homes, their farms, their lives and no one is even putting it on the news. I mean, our whole world, our nation is in an uproar today and, and many are asking what's going on. And we find it in the book of Luke where it says, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity. And here's what the Bible says, at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Are we not seeing that right now before our eyes? Then he goes on to say, when you see these things, when these things, what is he talking about? He's talking about natural disasters. It's found in Luke 21. When you see these things, these natural disasters begin to take place, he says, you, the church, the marked ones, those that have been marked by the Holy Spirit, he says, stand up and lift your heads because your redemption, the coming of Jesus, is drawing near. And, and this, I, I didn't even have these in our notes, but it's just where God's going right now that 
that we have to understand as the body of Christ that he never told us the day he was going to come, but he said, I will, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and there will be signs upon the earth to let you know. And we're seeing those signs all around us. And that's why this series is so important that we're not talking about going and getting a natural tattoo. If you have one, that's fine. We're talking about being marked by the Holy Spirit for such a time as this that we are living in the greatest hour because as all of these things begin to take place around us in society, that we're gonna see a, a influx of people that are gonna run to the church looking for an answer and a solution to their troubled heart. And God's trying to get his body ready that we're marked, we've been marked. Let's go to our text and let's understand it real quick today. Get your notes out, let's get ready to roll. That he speaks to us in our text and he says in Ephesians, and you also were included. You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. How many thankful for the day you heard that message of truth? The gospel of your salvation. When you believe, so if you've heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation, he said, when you believe, when you put your faith in Jesus, you were marked. You were inked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption is coming. Until the redemption of God's, excuse me, of the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And so he tells us that we're marked by the Holy Spirit at the point of salvation. You've been marked. You've been inked. So I want to talk to you today about passion, because if you look at people who do have tattoos, they're very passionate about it. Now, everybody has their own passions here. Uh, it's football season, the Gators, the Knowles, the Bama. Everybody's going crazy. You know, we're going to talk about that in a minute. I don't care. I hunt and fish. You know what I'm talking about? And, and all of us have these passions, but people that have tattoos are very passionate about it. What I want to talk to you about today is if we are marked by the Holy Spirit because of our salvation in Jesus Christ, we ought to be pretty passionate about that. Amen. That Jesus should be the thing that we talk about the most and the person we talk about the most in our life. And so I want to share with you five areas of passion that we will have as being marked by the Holy Spirit. Number one is our salvation. Our salvation. Anyone here glad you're saved? Amen. Anyone here glad you know God? God knows you, all right? He said in the scripture that we read earlier, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. The understanding that the God of heaven that you and I love so much declared that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, God loved us so much that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Anyone in here know somebody that doesn't like you that would die for you? Someone that you've offended, someone that you've hurt, and you're gonna expect something from them, but the God in heaven, while we were yet sinners, rejecting him and denying him, loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would, would not perish, but could come to him and have eternal life 
in his son Christ. And I challenge you today that we as Christians must realize that those marked by the Holy Spirit are passionate about our salvation. Because you see, you can't get around people that have truly had an encounter with God and not know about it. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. I'm a brand new person in Christ Jesus, my Lord. And so we come and realize today that, that God has saved me from the sin of my filth and my darkness. And, and today I'm a brand new person in Christ. And when you become passionate about your salvation, the devil can't steal your faith. He can't, he, all the storms can come that life can bring, whether natural or emotional or physical, but he can't take your faith because you're passionate about the God that you put your faith in. He can't steal your hope. He can't take away your joy. He can't take away your song. You're locked in because you're passionate about this person called Jesus. Uh, you'll sing songs in the dark hour. You'll praise him in the midnight. You'll wake up praising him in the early morning. Because there's something about that personal relationship with Christ. And when you genuinely understand that when I accepted him, I was marked by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Was marked to be called one of his. And today that brings this attitude that if you get around me much, you're going to hear about Jesus. Because he's going to be, I'm going to talk about him more than hunting and fishing. If, if Alabama Crimson Tide gets more of your conversation than Jesus does, you might need to find out which God you're serving. And we're passionate, passionate about him and our salvation. Number two is that we're passionate about our suffering. Well, we don't even like that word, do we? Could have left that one out, preacher. Well, you know why I put it in there? Because every one of us is going to face it. If we're not facing it today, you're going to face it at some point or another. First Peter 5.10 says, And after you have suffered a little while. Now, obviously, God has a different timetable than you and I live on. Anybody with me on that one? Like, his little while is different than my little while, all right? He's up there thinking eternal while I'm living in a temporal world. So, you know, my days of suffering to him are just breaths. And, and so he says, after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now, let me say this to you as your pastor today and understand that the gospel of Jesus is not just a, a gospel of prosperity and blessing and health and wealth. And how many is glad for those? Amen. How many appreciates those when they come into your life? But the gospel of Jesus is a gospel of suffering. You can't read this book and, and, and identify with any person in it without going down a journey of suffering, a journey of pain. The gospel doesn't exempt you from trouble. It guides you and gives you purpose through it. And so when we come and we're marked by the Holy Spirit through salvation, we just signed up for a journey. And that journey for every one of us is going to have moments where God just shows up in blessing and favor. And, and just things are going to happen in your life. Kathy and I, as I said, we were just blessed with seven days at a massive, beautiful resort. A, a ministry in Denver contacted us and said, we heard your family's going through some things. And, and we just want you to get away for a week and rest. I'm like, okay. 
And they've offered the same for Brad and Ashley. And, and, and I'm saying God blesses us, but how many's found out that in the midst of the blessing, there's still sufferings that you deal with. And, and when you don't understand that, you come to Jesus and go, I thought everything was gonna be just perfect when I got saved. No, it's the gospel of suffering. You see, Goliath was required in David's life for him to be able to get to the throne as king. Betrayal, offense, false accusations was required in Joseph's life to get him to second in charge in Pharaoh's court to be able to bless the nation of Israel and his family. In Houston, I, I was just blown away as I watched about 15 people in a shelter in Houston just a day or two after the floods came in and they were in a shelter and they had watched the news and they saw where they lived and everything they owned was gone. It was underwater. And about 15 gathered in a circle. They began to sing praises unto God and give praise unto the God that protected them and kept them alive and had them a safe place to be. And I thought, those people, they've been marked by the Holy Spirit. They get it that in the midst of their suffering, they're offering up praise unto God. They're passionate about him. He's done me nothing but good. I may lose this, I may lose that, but you can't touch what's going on inside of here. And he's my savior, my redeemer. At my lowest point in life, he came and he rescued me. And even in the midst of our suffering, we find ourselves passionate about Jesus. Remember the Hebrew children? They're thrown into the fiery furnace. And the Bible tells us that when they were thrown in there, the ropes were burnt off of their hands. But the Bible said not a hair on their head was burnt. And when they came out, there was no smell of smoke. Now, I don't know about you, but if you even stand around the fire, you're gonna get the smell of smoke on you. But when they came out, they did not even have the smell of smoke. You know, when I read that, I thought about Cindy and Tommy, our Vietnamese children, those that go here know that they became part of our family 17 years ago, but they watched their mother, little brother and little sister get stabbed to death when Cindy was 10 and Tommy was eight. Cindy was stabbed four times in the neck and throat, but she survived. Tommy hid under bed after seeing it to live. And they came into our home, what was supposed to be for 30 days, and they've never left, you know, until she got married. You know? They became our family and they are our family. But the one thing that I can see is they, as much their, their father then come back into their lives and then he immediately died of cancer. And then Tommy had a motorcycle accident on life support for 24 days. But you get around Cindy and Tommy and you don't smell the smoke. You get around them, you would never know they've been through the fire because they don't carry the smoke of the past with them. Some of us still smell like the smoke of our pain and our past. But when you learn how to be passionate about Jesus in your suffering, you don't take the smell of the smoke with you. Old things are passed away and all things become new. We're brand new people and creatures in Christ Jesus. When we learn how to be passionate about our salvation, even in the midst of our suffering, there's a passion about us that God's got this. And he's got me in this. You see, we've got to come and understand. You saw that last Sunday when Pastor Brad walked out here and preached. You didn't know it, but Thursday, Jabin had two massive seizures that could have taken his life that fast as he was gray, not just blue. And then Friday, he had many seizures and two more massive seizures that almost took his life. 
Saturday, he had multiple seizures and two more that almost took his life. Sunday morning, right before service started, he had another massive seizure. You didn't know it, but Pastor Brad walked out here and fed you while all hell was breaking loose at his house, maybe losing his son while he's standing here teaching and talking to you about being marked permanently. And that's exactly what he was. He was marked by the Holy Spirit to stand here and bring a word in the midst of suffering. Just because you're a Christian doesn't eliminate your periods of suffering, but it gives you the confidence that you have a God in your salvation that has marked you in the Holy Spirit, that he will walk you through your suffering. And he said, many are gonna watch you. They're gonna see the light of Jesus in you and the hope that you continue to walk in and they're gonna turn and ask you questions and they're gonna meet the God that you know so real. Number three, We must be passionate about our singing because you see, when you're passionate about your salvation, you become passionate in the midst of your suffering, you immediately move into a season of singing. Suffering always produces singing. Look at the slaves of old, even in the cotton fields, you would find them out there singing, hold to God's unchanging hand. Well, they would sing them songs. Well, they would. In the midst of their suffering, you've got to hold to God's unchanging hand. You've got to build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. They they weren't singing that through a palace. They weren't singing that through a resort. They were singing that in a time of suffering because suffering, if you're passionate in your salvation, will always bring you into a place of singing. Here's what he said. I don't know where that come from. I didn't do that in the first service, but that felt good, all right. (laughs) Now you know why the real singers sing up here, right? The psalmist declared in Psalms 40, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Why why did he put it like that? He said he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear. You wanna know why? Because you're singing in the midst of your suffering because of your mark being marked in your salvation and the world don't understand that. They don't get that. How how can you be singing in the midst of suffering? They don't understand you have a relationship with Jesus through your salvation. You've been marked by the Holy Spirit into an inheritance that the world can't take away. And that alone produces a singing. You see, how many remember the songs you used to sing? You know, songs about sex and drugs and women and men and somebody stole your wife and now you're riding down the road in your pickup truck, just you and your dog. (laughs) Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Jaime's thankful that he's put a new song. Put a new song in my heart, a song of praise. And he said, when you're singing that song, other people are watching you. 
They're watching you. How can you be so happy when everything around you is going so sour? How can you be joyful when you're dealing with so much stuff going on in your world? How can you praise God when it seems like he walked away and abandoned you? No, because you know deep inside. He's already told me, I've got your name written in the palm of my hand. It's before me every day and night. My eyes are always upon you. You've made a covenant with me and I've made a covenant with you. I have march you by my Holy Spirit. You belong to me, he says. You belong to me. You see, we've got to come and understand that God has marked us and he's marked us to sing. And I want to challenge you. If, if, listen, if Sunday morning is the only time you worship God, you're not a worshiper, you're a singer. One, per, one person got that. But if you're a worshiper, you're doing this every day. I don't need 600 people for me to worship. I can do that right by myself in my living room, in my car, in my backyard, down by the beach. I, I can lift up hands and a voice to God begin to just declare that you've done me nothing but good. You're the healer of my sickness. You're the joy in my sorrow. You're the peace in my storm. You're the hope in my time of hopelessness. You're the answer when no man can bring an answer. And today I want to worship you and I, I challenge you, just practice it every day. And then when we come together in here on a Sunday morning, I mean, oh, heaven ought to break loose. Uh, and I pray every Sunday before we start here, the prayer of Isaiah is, Lord, don't just look down upon us, but Lord, will you rend the heavens and will you come down and be amongst us, your people? We don't want you to look upon us. We want you to come down. And I pray, God, let us be a people of worship that when we come together, there's a worship that takes place in this church that heaven opens up. And God says, I'm coming down, I'm gonna build a throne. And I'm gonna sit amongst you, my people. You can do that with 600 of us or you can do that all by yourself. But it works either way. And I challenge you today, be passionate about your salvation. And if you're passionate about your salvation, it'll walk you through your suffering with passion for Jesus and believing that everything he said in this book is still true. It'll still work. There's a solution to every one of your problems. There's a remedy to every one of your needs. There's a prescription to every one of your diseases. It's right here called the word of God. And if I'm passionate about my salvation, it'll bring passion in my suffering, which will produce passionate singing in my life and once you're singing you'll start serving with passion we serve with passion we're in football season football season is upon us so number four is serving we're having some tech problems so just stay with me but number four, serving. Got any Gator fans in here? Oh, I got a few. Any Knowles? That was so weak. That was sad. How about Tennessee? Well, they don't have a chance. All right. Does Alabama have a football team? Oh, oh okay. Some tied something. I thought that was the detergent. Anyway, all right. But it amazes me when football season comes because people turn to fanatics. I mean, crazy. They lose their mind. They paint their cars the color of their ball team. I mean, tags are everywhere. And, and they throw parties and food and all of that. Here's what really 
just, people ask me all the time, which one's your favorite team? I go, I don't care. I pastor a church, you know what I mean? You can't have a favorite team, but I, did, I wouldn't if I did. I hunt and fish. I don't care about that, all right? But what really kills me is these people, when their team wins, they throw this fanatical part and they're all over Facebook. We won! We, we, you, we, you're walking around wearing shirts with somebody else's name on the back. Talking about we won. We, I ain't seen them send you no check. I, I don't see your name on the plaque. I ain't heard you on the news. We, and we go crazy and fanatical about something that we're not even a part of. It's okay if you want to go have fun. I'm going to hunt, okay? But here's what I want to tell you. Jesus said, I've handpicked you. See, we get so excited about them doing it because we know we're not good enough to be on the team. So we put our excitement in people that are better than us that qualified to get on the team to entertain me with something that I love, but I'm not good enough to do myself. But then God said, you're excited about wearing somebody else's jersey, but I've handpicked you to be on my team. I've handpicked you. Not only have I handpicked you, he said, but I've got a jersey for you. I'm gonna clothe you in my righteousness, he said, and you get to have your name on the back of your jersey, and now you get to serve on the greatest team to ever put foot on the earth called the kingdom of God. Let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And now you get to go represent me on this earth. And guess what? You're not on the sideline wearing somebody else's jersey. You're on the playing field. You're on the field. You qualify. He said in Romans 12, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. When I offer myself, my body into serving, I realize that I have now joined and been part of a team, made part of a team that I didn't qualify for, but he qualified me that God took my inadequacies, my fears, he took the things that allowed me to be disqualified from so many things in life. But he said, you know what? I'm going over- to take your weakness and I'm going to make them strengths. I'm going to take your hurt and I'm going to mark a story out of it. And it's going to change the lives of others. I'm going to take that thing that the enemy brought to destroy you. And I'm going to put you on the field. And you're going to change the lives of thousands through it. Because I've made you part of a team. If you drive that buggy out there and you're bringing people into this church, bringing them from that parking lot, you're on the team, man. God signed you. He put you on the team. You're our heroes. You see, when, when you stand at the door and you greet people with a smile and joy, you're a main player on the team. When you nurture the babies and invest in the toddlers and teach the children about Jesus, your Hall of Famers back there. He's got you marked. You got a jersey with your name on it. And God's going, I'm watching you. I'm watching you. You didn't make this about you. You made this about other people so that they can know me too. This isn't about what's in it for me. It's about how can I serve other people? It's more time. It's going to take more of my talents. It's going to take more of my energy. It's going to let me go eat 
eat lunch a little bit later, but I'm going to sit in one service and do nothing but receive. And then I'm going to serve in another service and do nothing but give and touch and impact. God says, you're on my team. I've got a jersey waiting for you. Your name's on the back of it. When you come in here and you practice and you stand here and you lead this congregation in worship, you're lead hitters for the team, man. You're, you're number one. You're getting us on base with that worship. You're vital. You're important. When you come in here and you make coffee early in the morning, you usher and manage the sanctuary. When you serve in production, when you're on the prayer team, you're part of a body of Christ, the greatest team that God has ever put on this earth to make a difference in the lives of other people. And you do it through serving. The opportunity to serve. If you're on our dream team here, everybody on the dream team is serving somewhere in one of our services, well over 100 people that serve every Sunday here in some fashion. If you're not on the dream team, I encourage you to go to Grow Track today, right after this service. We have a meal waiting for you, and we're going to help you identify your passions and your gifts and how God made you. And we're not going to force you to anything, but we're going to open opportunities that you can serve and be a part of the team. Get your jersey, get your name on it, and let's go make a difference in the lives of other people. Because listen, you know, the greatest inheritance that you and I have is the day that we step into heaven. And there's hundreds and thousands of people there applauding as you walk through the gate of heaven because they wouldn't be there had you not been serving them. The greatest inheritance I have is the people that are in heaven or will be in heaven because I was willing to serve them through the grace of Jesus that he had made so evident and real in my life. We serve. You serve your neighbors. You serve. We're getting ready to take truckloads of supplies down to South Florida after this storm. So we're going to be sending out emails asking you to bring things and water and hygiene products and medical stuff and children's stuff. And we're going to take as many truckloads as we can fill up. We've already got churches waiting on us when this storm passes over. We're going to serve. God spared us. Let's serve those that, that are hurting and suffering. And we understand that, that there's a passion, a passion. serving then last of all is our sharing our sharing all of us have a story every one of us in this room some of your stories blows my mind I hear some of your stories and I, I understand the pain the level of pain that some people in this church have gone through is it has to be God has to be God it's unfathomable if I stood here and told you some stories it would blow your mind and all of us have a story. That's why we call this ink. This, this whole message came out of, I was fishing one day in my kayak. And, and when I came up to the shore, this guy was there and he, he was fishing on the bank. He only had shorts on. He was tattooed from chin to ankles. And, and he was helping me get my stuff in. And, and uh, we got to talking. And, and that's just my way. I love the challenge of finding out if somebody knows Jesus or not. And I'm just talking to him and find out he's not a believer. And, and he had just started, and I was talking about his tattoos. And he began to take me through each tattoo and the story behind it. And every one of them was a story of pain. And I just began to minister to him. And when I was driving home, that's where this series come from, that every one of us have been marked by the Holy Spirit. And every one of us has a story to tell. And many and most of our stories will come out of situations of pain, situations of uncomfort, 
And you see, when we come and we realize today that all of us have a story to tell. And many of you that have tattoos right now, your tattoo represents a story. Here's one of them today. Here's Pastor Brad. tattoo for a long time and I finally got to where I was old enough to get a tattoo and then I didn't know what tattoo I wanted. Points in my life I've been the type of person where I didn't really care like I just wanted to get something for the sake of getting something and then as I got older I wanted it to mean something and then by the time I wanted it to mean something I didn't know anything that I, <laughs> like I didn't know what I wanted something to mean like I didn't have anything that was that prominent in my life um, until I had Jabin. I wanted to get something for Jabin as soon as he was born, but for whatever reason, I just waited. And then Jabin got sick. Ashley filmed a video of him saying, Dad, Dad, that was his first words. I believe that was his only words, because um, then right shortly after that, he lost the ability to talk, which is part of his disease. He took the voice waves of him saying, Dad, Dad, um, then he put his initials on the inside. I have, uh, I, I have a plan to get three more tattoos just for Jabin. Um, so I wanna get some scriptures from Mark 9 um, and a couple others. Look at it every day. Um, I had people ask me like, Are you, do you think you're gonna regret getting a tattoo? It's gonna be with you for the rest of your life. And my response is, um, there's never gonna be a day that I don't wanna remember this. You see, every one of us has a story. We have a story to tell. It comes out of our salvation experience with Jesus. It comes out of our suffering. Sometimes it comes out of our singing. But all of us have a story to tell in our serving around people. Kath and I, when we were in Colorado, it's one of our favorite places to go to rest. There's these, this area called the springs and they have 15 different natural mineral springs coming out of the earth. They range from 90 degrees to 115 degrees. That's called the lobster pit for a reason. Because <laughs> you get it over three minutes, you're a lobster, all right? But we would go at night and just sit in those. And I mean, when you get out and you go back to your room and your bed, you're done. You know what I mean? Just like, okay, I'm in heaven right now. And we, we got out and I went to the locker room and we were changing and I was in the men's locker room and it was packed out. And this guy walked up beside me and he was trying to get in his locker and he couldn't get it to open. There was a trick to it and I'd figured it out by not knowing how to do it. And I was showing him how to do it. And he walked up and he had one of those beards with the rubber bands all the way down. You know what I'm talking about? And he had the uh, hair that's like, I can't remember what they said. There you go, dreads, dreads. He had dreads and he had tattoos on his cheeks and on his head and from all the way down, he was tattooed out. And he was like, thank you, bro. You know, and, and so we got to talking and I was like, where are you from? And he was telling me and, and uh, he goes, where are you from? And I said, I, I'm down in Florida. Florida, man. He said, I'm from Fort Walton Beach. And he said, I'm up here visiting my brother. He said, what do you do? And I'll wait for that question. I mean, that's just like my cue. That's like going to a pit dog saying sick. And I'm like, rah, 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 you know, just what do you do? I said, man, I pastor the greatest church in Florida right now called Transformation Church in Pensacola. He's like, bro, dude, you a pastor, man? You know, bro and dude, that was his two words. Bro, dude, bro, dude, you know. 
And so my name changed to Bro and Dude, you know. So my name is Bro Dude Livingston now, I think. But he was just, bro, and the place was packed, you know. And he's like, man, you, you really, you a preacher? And he began to share his story. His life was a wreck. And his brother had been asking him, begging him to go to church. And his brother lived there, so he was visiting his brother. He said, bro, he said, my brother's out there right now, him and his wife. He's been begging me to go to church. Tell me I need to get in church. I know I need to, man. I need to get my life together. And, you know, he's doing all this hippie lingo, you know, lingo. And we're, we're just going back and forth. And I'm like, man, you know, let's do this. You know what I'm saying? Jesus loves you, man. I mean, literally, we're just talking Jesus, salvation, everything. I don't care who's listening, more the better. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, my brother's out there. He would love to meet you. And I said, well, let's go talk to him. And so we got, we headed out to his brother and I walked up with him and he introduces me to his brother and his wife and his brother. When he said, he's a preacher and he lives in Pensacola. His brother goes, you're an angel from heaven, brother. Sir, you are an angel. He said, I'm assigning him to you right now. He's yours. He's yours. All right. I'm going to be having lunch with him next week. But me and this guy and his brother and wife put arms around shoulders at the Springs, man, and we prayed this guy and prayed a sinner's prayer with him and, and just talked to him about God. And I don't know all the final decisions he made, but I know that God made a connection and we're gonna follow up with it. And what I'm saying that is to say this, that God's got so many people around us just waiting to hear our story, just waiting to hear what you've got to say about your salvation and maybe a little bit of the journey of your suffering and how God's brought you from suffering to singing and how now God's using you to change the lives of other people through sharing and being a part of something bigger than you. And today, I wanna challenge you at Transformation Church. Let's get passionate about our salvation again. Let's get passionate about Jesus every day. Let's become passionate about even in the midst of our suffering that God has us and He has a reason for this and He's gonna guide us through it. Let's be passionate about our singing. Let's be passionate about our worship to God. Let's get passionate about our serving. And let's go out there passionately and share the good news of the story that Jesus has brought in and through our life today in Jesus' name. Can we get passionate today, folks? We've been marked by the Holy Spirit. Let's be passionate about that mark. He's put us on his team. Father, I thank you today, God, that you're a God that is faithful. You're a God, Lord. You called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. You've redeemed us from the snare of the enemy. And God, I just pray right now over every person in this room, God, that, Father, you'll come and, and Father, just embrace us today and remind us, God, of just how good you are and how awesome and amazing you are in our life. Don't let our relationship become religion. God, I pray, Lord, that you come and let our relationships become very personal with you. Right now, if you're in this building, you say, Pastor Dan, I don't know Jesus today. I'm not a believer. I'm not a Christian. I know he's real, but I'm not in a right relationship with him. I just want you to pray a prayer for me. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray a prayer for you if that's you right now. Would you just slip a hand up and you can put it right back down if that's you. God bless you. God bless you. I just need to make a commitment today, Pastor. I just need Jesus in my life. Pray for me. Anyone else? Very quickly. Maybe you're online. Maybe you're on the web and you need Jesus in your life today. We want to pray for you as well. If you raise your hand or you did not and you need Jesus today, pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would just come, confess, believe, I can receive you. So right now, I come to you. I confess 
with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart you raised from the dead and I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, you join me and let's celebrate with these that have prayed today.